Now the telephone has evolved into the Vodafone. There's nothing unusual about seeing phones on the road. On lakes and rivers, they're an everyday occurrence. And in the middle of nowhere, a Vodafone hardly rates a second glance. Mind you, they're not above talking to old-fashioned phones. Can you come out tonight, then? I'm sorry, I'm all tied up. As more Vodafones appear, we can only wonder whether the telephone is an endangered species. If you'd like to be in when you're out, ring Rachel Vodafone. The, yeah, so uh, myself and Scott Bewley here having a chat. And Scott, you're um, you're in Dublin, but you're Kiwi at heart, I think, maybe. Yeah, that's that's right, Pat. So, um, look, I've I've been in Ireland for like twenty three years now, um, and uh, you know, I suppose you probably say, well, how how did I get here? Um, it, it, I don't know if you've heard of um, Ewan McGregor and the long way around his motorcycle tour. So. You know, I, I originally came from New Zealand. I worked in London, uh, Belgium, uh, and then Canada, and then met my wife here in a global telecommunications uh, company um, where I ran the billing systems, and, and um, my wife-to-be ran a large part of the contact centre. Hmm, very good. Yeah, so you've a lot of experience in the telecoms industry, but also IT in general, and I know you've worked for companies like Vodafone, Amdocs, um, and you're currently with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, what are you doing with that with uh, PwC? Yeah, so so I work with um, telecommunications companies um, and um, work with them on on kind of a number of key areas, you know, in terms of trends that are affecting the industry. Um, and they would be pretty topical things that that they really need a, a bit of help with. Um, Really, things like the the Competition uh, Amendment Act, um, where you can get fined up to ten million euros or up to ten percent of your revenues. So um, we we help our clients in this area. We've got a lot of global expertise in angle um, and um, industry background and regulation. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so apart from that, what else? Other areas do you cover? Yeah, sure. So, so a lot of the things that we do as well as um, Pat is around um, revenue from five G. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a lot of investment. I mean, uh, you know, take take for um, example, um, you know, the, in the mobile spectrum auctions in Ireland alone, you know, 448 million euros were spent um, on on spectrum um, auctions and, and licenses. So that that's even before upgrading the service to actually enable uh, enable upgrading the network to enable the services. So you know, um, and even today. Um, that, that's I think we're at about 90% population coverage, um, but we have I think less than 50% penetration rate of, of users of 5G on the service. So so in terms of coverage, we have the coverage, but um, what is the attraction to get users onto that service? And um, that that is the the things that we help our clients with as well. We've done that across um, a number of regions uh, globally, mm-hmm. um, and looked at different opportunities for that. Okay, and what's your what's your own feeling on five G? Is it just another G, or it was uh, designed or supposed to support IoT um, I, a bit better? I understand. Do you think that's a, a good use case? Yeah, it's it's a it's a brilliant use case, Pat. And I think one of the um, one of the key things around IoT, um, and if you're looking at smart cities, um, you're looking at autonomous vehicles um, and the like, which which we'll see a lot of at MWC. Is really about the what 5G does. It allows um, the high-speed response back from those IoT device 
devices attached to vehicles and other um, and other platforms, and it allows you to get that real-time information because if you are driving an autonomous vehicle, well, I shouldn't say driving, if you are a passenger. <laughs> You're sitting yeah, in <laughs> yeah or whatever you may be doing in an autonomous vehicle, um, you need to have a real-time feedback um, of how close am I to other vehicles, how close am I to pedestrians and other obstacles that may be in my path. Um, and this is an enabler, key enabler for um, 5G and and mm -hmm. um, and beyond. Okay, very good. Uh, you also have a lot of experience with the, the SaaS model, uh, particularly as it relates to the mobile industry. Like you worked for Amdocs and um, a few other companies. Um, the um, what's your, you know, how has SaaS affected the industry in general? Is it what's what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, so Pat, um, SAS is um, over the last number of years, it's been a revolutionary change. And if I if I look at some of the um, applications where organisations had their own data centres um, and have had applications that have been on premise, and um, what SAS has allowed companies to do is to um, migrate to the cloud and take advantage of the economies um, from the SAS model. So. Um, instead of having to support and maintain, um, and especially with the um, the current power crisis and uh, and and electricity as as it is and gas, um, those um, those areas really you've you've got large um, costs involved with running your own data center and um, from an electricity point of view and and so on. So mm -hmm. some of those costs have gone now in terms of moving to the cloud. Um, but it also has um, driven uh, digitalization within those um, telecommunications organizations and, and a number of other organizations because it's allowed them to modernize and, and move away from those on-premise applications um, mm -hmm. to migrate to the cloud and to give them a lot more features and, and, and benefits of, of applications that they wouldn't have had in the past as well and, sure. and also a lot better control. How's, how do you think operators have balanced the issue of um, say GDPR, commercial confidentiality. Uh, in I mean, it has to be in a mix of private cloud and public cloud. What's you've you've probably seen various implementations. What what do you think's uh, the general attitude to it? Yeah, so it's it's a really it's a region by region um, experience. It, it differs. So um, in some of the Middle Eastern countries where I've worked, you know, um, and and some of the African countries, um, data sovereignty is a, is a key issue. Um, and retention of the data within the country. Um, some of some of that is um, a little bit of a, it is optics um, because they're they're placing the data in the country um, using a cloud-based service. But obviously, that cloud-based service is in another geography, um, mm -hmm. and um, they may have an endpoint in in their own country. Um, Right. What a number of organizations are doing is they're either moving fully to the cloud or having hybrid type solutions where they have sensitive um, information. But um, really one of the areas that um, PwC is, is helping our clients with quite a lot is really around the, um, the data security side of things. So um, there's been obviously some high profile um, instances in the, in the press recently. Um, we help our clients to actually um deal with those and, and actually be proactive in terms of prevention um, and and also help them with particular things like um like audits and making sure that those type of things um don't happen they're on point and uh and secure yeah yeah that's very interesting isn't it i mean it's it's sort of um the i suppose governance and risk uh aspects of of cloud um 
you know, which would, would particularly affect the regulated industries like uh, mobile, um, particularly there's large amounts of customer data. So, yeah, I was interested to, to see what, what your thoughts were about that. The, the what, what do you think is um, between, say, 5G and SaaS, uh, do you think eventually, I'll be a bit provocative here, mobile operators will basically be a brand with distribution, outsourced tower companies, outsourced core? You know, what's, what's your... Do you see a trend happening at all, Scott? Yeah, there's, it's, that's an interesting point, Pat, because you see a lot of um, that, that discussion, debate has been around for quite a long time. Um, and um, you've seen this with um, some of the MVNOs where their brand's sitting on top of um, other operators' networks. Um, you've also, um, you've also um, seen this discussion, but then there's, there's the reverse happening and some operators within Europe are saying, well, we're not going to... Um, get rid of our infrastructure we're not going to sell it off to a telco um, mm -hmm. and the reason is we want the security and we want to actually ensure um, security of distribution and supply of service um, which obviously is, is topical with the um, with the war in Ukraine and also you know the supply and um, security around supply chain and, and food security and other other components of uh, of the world that we're in at the moment. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, because it's, again, it goes to what we were talking about there a second ago, sort of the risk um, of, you know, not controlling your infrastructure versus laying off the cost or knowing what your your costs are as you lay it off. So it's, again, it's one of these business calls. It's sort of interesting too, some of the MVNOs, at least that I'm aware of, I know it's a sort of more risky model than owning the uh, spectrum, et cetera. But the, their ability to acquire customers seems to be very impressive if they focus on a particular niche. You seem to be more like marketing organizations that, say, pick on students or something like that, and they, they, they manage to recruit them fairly well. Yeah, I think I think um, that's that's pretty key. I think a lot of that's that's driven by um, you know control um, in terms of those um, segments, if you like. So if, if you take the segment like students, for example, um, they want to um, you know have their own device, and in order to do that, a lot of those uh, a lot of the MVNOs are using um, you know SIM only plans or, or offering low cost plans. Um, and you know, in terms of um, digital transformation, that was a key component in terms of uh, moving to digital and, and creating those digital brands. Mm -hmm. I think the key um, the key elements around that um, are really, um, you know, the, the, there's kind of two things. One is um, they're um, acquiring customers from from uh, competition, so there's a competitive element. Um, and the other one is is retention. As lower tariffs were coming along, um, they were um, retaining customers, albeit on a on a different brand, but still they're retaining them on their own network. So, in a, in a way, it's a, it's a retention tool, and it's a way to target new um, new uh, verticals as well. Um, so I think that's that's working well for some of the MVNOs uh, for sure in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you can understand a lot of them aren't very well funded. I think they've they fail in the first few years if they don't get. Uh, proper capital but it's a really interesting industry i mean as we were talking earlier i mean the international aspect of it and you know who you are kiwi in dublin but uh, you were telling me that uh, and you mentioned previously at some stage you decided to buy a plane ticket get a rucksack and head off to europe and other places yeah absolutely so um i guess when i first um started out uh, a, a few years ago pat um the opportunity came up to uh you know come across to uh to work in europe and, and travel around the world um 
and uh, doing exciting things in my youth, like hopping on the back of a truck for three months, going around about 16 countries in Africa. Um, yeah, wow. So, uh, so yeah. How, how, yeah. Did, how did that come about? I mean, was it a plan or was it, it was just any truck that came along? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just, a, just a way to sort of uh, see, see the world and, uh, you know, see, I uh, explore a few places and, uh, you know, do, do a few things that I do in my youth that I probably wouldn't do now, like um, <laughs> all, all, all different things, I suppose, um, sleeping out in the, in the middle of the desert in a, in a, um, in a uh, you know, in a, in a sleeping bag and, uh, um, going across the Victoria Falls on a microlight aircraft was um, was wow. a bit of an exciting event. Uh, was, was, was there was, was that you flying, or was there a pilot with you? <laughs> no, I, I was just the passenger, and uh, uh, um, yeah, it was uh, a, a pretty, um, I think, uh, a challenging time uh, because I'm I'm not great with heights, so it was something <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> quite quite interesting to do really uh, I think when you've got kind of a, a waterfall thundering down below you and then looking down and uh, we we're flying along and then all of a sudden the um, the instructor decided to to do as uh, what I heard later was his usual trick where he, he turns off the engine and uh, says oh we've got a wee bit of a problem down there don't, and don't worry um you know there's only hippopotamus and they're not they're not too dangerous and uh, the alligators they're they're kind of well fed so you're probably okay <laughs> And then he, uh, then he, then he, yeah, started and restarted the engine. So I kind of breathed a bit of a sigh of relief. <laughs> well, so I don't know if the guy is a psychopath or has a good sense of humor. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that no, was a bit of a bit of a uh, hairy time. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. And you, you, as you said earlier, you end up um, uh, in Ireland. And um, I mean, what's the uh, yeah, say just got down to it. The All Blacks are you divided loyalties, or at the moment, or what? Yeah, it's a bit of a touchy subject around World Cup time. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, Irish uh, um, citizen and a New Zealand citizen. But um, around uh, whenever New Zealand is playing Ireland uh, World Cup or, or friendlies, we have a, a divided room. There's kind of a line down the middle. So. Um, um, my uh, my wife and one of my daughters are on one side, and, and myself and my other daughter is on the <laughs> on the other side. So we're a fifty fifty household there. Um, the only thing is, I might I might lose one of my supporters now that Ireland has really uh, consistently <laughs> beat the All Black for a few times. Um, I might be struggling a bit this uh, World yeah. Cup. Well, you know, we've been waiting a long time, Scott. You know, <laughs> no, it is sort of pretty amazing. I mean, uh, I know. Um, there are two island countries with, I don't know what the population, three, four, five million sort of, and um, they produce in world, world-class world teams. I mean, all blacks consistently for a hundred years, probably. Um, and us lately. Um, so it's, it's really amazing the passion you can get into a um, a sport like that. You know, it, it's, it also gives smaller countries a, you know, a sort of demonstration of their, their culture and their will so it's i i think it's very positive yeah it's it's fantastic and and there's a lot of um new zealand um rugby coaches around and uh so especially this sure weekend, are. <laughs> i thought you were so many irish rugby coaches <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah it'll be interesting it'll be an interesting match this weekend against um italy anyway with kieran crowley uh coaching uh coaching the italy team they seem to have come up with some uh some uh things out of the blue that are um 
you know, were, were kind of, um, I, I guess, unexpected form that they didn't have before. Yeah. Mm, mm. No, it was, um, they're, I always hoped they'd come on, you know, they've been working on it for a long time now. It's, uh, they're, they're great fun, actually, to go out with the Italians. They're, they're great. And anyway, look, uh, Scott, it's, on this podcast, the guest gets to nominate the playout song, or you, if you want to talk a little bit about music, your music, uh, that'll be quite interesting. Yeah, I've I've kind of got a bit of an eclectic uh, mix of uh, music there. So um, even even I, better. What <laughs> what do you mean by that? What's the country and western to waltzes or something like that? Was it? Uh, almost. So um, you know, like I, I spend a lot of time on on planes, um, and um, you know, so um, a lot of time kind of uh, waiting um, for flights to take off and delays and and all that sort of stuff. So um, you know, I, I kind of listen to pop and rock uh kind of bruce springsteen you know prince u2 kind of early works but i guess um yeah some of the bit more modern stuff like um adele but then i like kind of some sort of uh things that are that are probably less related like uh, avici and david getter um and so if like if i'm sitting on a flight when my um when it's uh turbulence is going on or something like that i, I probably listen to a song called titanium by by david getter so um okay yeah. kind of takes take my mind off things when i'm bouncing around in the clouds like i was one time um coming into chicago and it was a, a thunderstorm and there was um 70 to 80 planes and um five to six um dishes as they called it or stacks so um there was about uh yeah, 70 to 80 um, wow. flights, but in five or six different stacks that were waiting to come in and go out. So uh, that was an interesting time sitting there for an hour and a half and uh, waiting to be rerouted to another airport if we weren't going to land in the next hour or so. So as we were oh, bouncing around. Thank you, David Gitter, then. Yeah, so, okay. Well, that's great, Scott. Listen, thanks. Uh, really brilliant to have you on and listen to your experience, your insight, and, you know, learn a little bit about you and your, your interests. Great stuff, Pat. Look, thanks for the opportunity. And um, as, as I say, you know, we're um, we're working with a lot of um, clients in PwC in the telecommunications, um, media and technology space. Thanks again for the opportunity. Not at all. Thanks. Uh, all the best, Scott. Thanks, Pat. Take care.